Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Just check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. You can check out the Facebook page, search for Coach Bo Knows Show, and you can email us at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 56. We are proudly presented by DraftKings. You can get up to $200 in free bets just by joining DraftKings and making your first deposit. Fully legal now here in Kansas and in Colorado. Anywhere else, there's about 10 other states. Check it out. Again, up to $200 in free bets when you join at DraftKings. Check out the link in the show notes for all the details and all the terms and conditions. Hey, I want to start today by jumping in on a, we're going to do some, Uncle Rico is going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the NFL and kind of summarize week two. I want to start with a little bit of college football, a couple other little things, and then we're going to get it moving into Uncle Rico. Um, college football, we had an interesting week. We had a, a couple of upsets, but nothing major. We didn't have a lot of great matchups this past week. The biggest things were, did you see the App State game? The uh, the Hail Mary, App State wins on a Hail Mary on Saturday. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I'm sorry to my friends who are K-Staters. Uh, the Tulane Green Wave, Go Green Wave, came in there and did what I kind of thought might happen. Uh, I want to send a shout-out to our homegirl, uh, Ellen Wingenter, who you know always joins us on the Point Five pod on uh, Fridays. She was spot on again, had herself another. She went to the well, took Kansas, plus the points. Kansas wins outright this past week. Um, what a phenomenal game for the Kansas Jayhawks. They're now 3-0 for the first time since 2009. Uh, how cool is that? They'll be hosting Duke, who is also 3-0 this coming week. We'll talk a lot more about that on the point five as we preview the upcoming week. But getting back into last week, we saw a couple things happen. We saw a lot of the big favorites you know, pull some things out. Um, Oklahoma State, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, USC, uh, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Really, Arkansas didn't win in the romp. The others did. Arkansas wins by 11. But the rest of those teams in the top 10 all win in big, in, in big wins. Clemson struggled a little bit early against Louisiana Tech, but ended up winning that game. The biggest upsets of the weekend, A&M beat Miami, and Oregon over BYU. Uh, Oregon took it to BYU. I did not see that coming. As most of you know on Friday's podcast, I actually picked BYU to win outright as a road dog, and they, they laid a complete and total egg against an Oregon team that, Probably played the best game they've played since their week one win last year against Ohio State. Um, other than that, I don't think we had a lot of really interesting things happen in college football. Most of the big teams won. Uh, we don't see we didn't see a lot of moving in the rankings. The top ten is mostly the same. We have a couple teams that have snipped up or snipped down. Top ten is Georgia is now number one in both polls. Uh, they did pass Bama in the coaches' poll. Uh, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC at your top seven. Kentucky and Oklahoma State are eight and nine. They are um, reversed in each poll. So 
Oklahoma State is eight, Kentucky is nine in the coaches poll, while Kentucky is eight and Oklahoma State is nine in the AP poll. Arkansas rounds at the top ten at number ten. The biggest movers of the week, Penn State moved up eight points in the top in the AP poll and eight points in the coaches poll with their win. Um, and then the other one was Oregon moved up uh, ten spots. Six in the coaches pulled their big win against BYU. So I'm not going to get too bogged down on what happened in college football. Week three just really wasn't, there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone for week three. And we'll talk a little more about week four as we get there. Probably a little more about that on Friday. Um, just didn't see a lot of, of, of wild, wild news. The better teams won. We didn't see any major upsets in the top ten. The highest-rated team to lose was BYU. Um, but some cool stuff with Kansas winning, with App State winning on a on a, on a, um, a Hail Mary that was tipped twice and, and pulled that off. It's kind of an interesting play. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to hit ESPN.com and check that out. There's great video of that. Um, we'll talk a little bit again about previewing week four on the .5 pod. A couple other things I did want to mention, and I want to get these some shout-outs to some people here. Uh, we're going to talk NFL on the backside with Uncle Rico, but I wanted to shout-out. I want to also shout-out from Sunday. This kind of flew under the radar for some people because we're all caught up in watching the NFL. But the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA uh, won the WNBA Finals three games to one. Becky Hammond in her first year as head coach, um, takes her team to the NBA, WNBA Finals, and wins. Um, phenomenal story. I think the world of Becky Hammond. I think she is a great, great coach. I think that not only is she a great coach in the WNBA, I think she'd make a hell of a coach, a hell of a head coach in the NBA. I think that she is someone who, I think she'll dominate here in the WNBA for a couple of years. I'd really like to see her coaching in the NBA. Somebody get that done. This woman knows the game. She knows the players of this generation, how to work with them. It's not just ladies. But I do want to shout her out and shout out the, the Aces in their big win, winning the WNBA title, and just a phenomenal story. If you haven't been following that, take a look. Um, just phenomenal stuff all around. We're also at that time of year in Major League Baseball where we're starting to see the first teams clinch uh, playoff and postseason berths. Uh, this week we had the Dodgers clinch the National League West. They're currently sitting at 102 and 44. Unbelievable record. 102 wins already. The Houston Astros tonight, Monday night as we record this, have clinched the American League West. Um, the New York Mets also clinched a playoff spot. Uh, the Atlanta Braves were about a game back there, and they're going to be clinching here soon as soon as well. We're starting to see the the races for the wild cards are all pretty much going away now. We've got the American League. It really looks like it's going to be Toronto, Tampa, and Seattle as your three wild card teams. Uh, Baltimore's fallen back. The White Sox have fallen back. And then in the National League, the Braves, who still have a chance to catch the Mets, they're only one game back. they got about 14 games to go. Um, they've got a huge lead in the playoffs, and it looks like it'll be 
either the Braves or the Mets, whoever doesn't win the division. The Padres, the Phillies, the Brewers still have a small chance. They are sitting about two and a half games back of the Phillies. Uh, according to uh, Next Gen Stats on ESPN, the playoff probability is that the Phillies are an 85% chance. The Brewers only a 23% chance to get into the playoffs now. So we're starting to see playoff matchups uh, finalize and, and firm up here as we get through the last you know 12 to 15 games of the regular season. Uh, we'll be there sooner than later. We'll be in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting stuff to see what happens. And we'll also, as we get a little further into this, talk a little more about the, the awards, you know, who's going to be MVP and Cy Young and this and that. There was a lot of talk about that, especially in the American League this year. Will it be Aaron Judge? Will it be Shohei Otani? Um, I have moved my opinion on this. I, I believe that I would vote for Aaron Judge at this point. Uh, he's looking like he... I think the fact that the Yankees are winning also helps that case. The Angels have been an abstract disaster. And while... Obviously, Otani can't do that by himself. It, it doesn't help when your team is sub-500. I just can't. In my brain, my mind's eye, I can't get over that. O Judge means so much to the Yankees, and they're a, a top-notch team. You know, second-best record in the American League and all. So we're going to keep this kind of first part of the uh, podcast uh, light. I do want to mention our quick sponsor, which is DoorDash. Uh, DoorDash is, we're proud to have DoorDash as sponsor. They're helping us out. You check our show notes. You'll get the link. You can save $10 on your first three orders at DoorDash. Don't give me the, well, I already have a DoorDash account shit. That's real simple. Get a new one. Link it to a new phone, a new email address, something, and you can save $10 on each of your first three orders on DoorDash. We actually used it over the weekend at our house, and it was great. We appreciate DoorDash for sponsoring us. Check out the link in the show notes, and we're going to come right back in a moment. Uncle Rico is going to come in and join us to talk all about week two in the NFL. Here we go. My man coming in to review week two action in the NFL is our most popular returning contributor. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, open up a nice bottle of your Appleton Farms dark rum. You lay out some Titleist Pro V1 golf balls and magically my main man will appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated still against home pregnancy tests with a record of 50-0. He is the Floyd Mayweather of the Coach Bono's podcast, our NFL guy. His mother named him Ricardo, but around here we call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. As always, Uncle Rico's appearance is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Don't forget, you get $25 off your first box of Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes. Follow the link and save today. Uncle Rico, how are you today? Doing good. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. We have a lot. To talk about and I, I am i am excited about the conversation and we're both a little fired up because we've already got one thing that we totally disagree on 
And then we got, and then I'm fired up on about three or four things in the NFL right now. So uh, I want to ask just to start, I want to do this every week. I want to start this way. What is, is there a takeaway from this week's games? Now we're recording this Monday night. The Monday night games are, we got one that's already over. The Bills have just beat the dog shit out of the Titans. And the Eagles are running away from the Vikings here in the fourth quarter. So the season, the, the week is practically over now. Do you have any takeaways from what you've seen this weekend or anything that surprised you that you'd like to talk about first or jump in there? I'll say, I'll say actually two things. One, we're talking about the Eagles in the fourth quarter here. This week had uh, uh, some significant comebacks, deficit comebacks across the league. So that's one. Two, Miami. You cannot talk about football this week without talking about Miami and what they did yesterday. Um, it was impressive. We, you know, it's basically like what we had, what everyone had hoped would be the positive outcome for those that wanted something to happen in Miami. Cause I haven't seen anything in Miami for quite some time. This is what you had hoped would happen. Yeah with what they did in the off season. I think agreed. We, we had talked about this when it was draft time. we talked about off season moves. I thought Miami was near the top of the class with the Eagles and what they did, what they made changes for. I thought this was a big payoff for what they did in the off season this week. Um, what was it? 426 yards, six touchdowns by Tua. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-six of 50. For 469, six touchdowns. He did throw two picks. Um, but here's what I liked about this. You notice that we've talked about Tyreek Hill, and people have talked about how that was such a big pickup. But Jalen Waddell yeah. had 11 receptions, the same number of receptions, 11 receptions, two touchdowns as well. And he was really the red zone target. Uh, what they've yeah. done with Tyreek is exactly what they, we thought they would do. He's drawing double teams, and if he's drawing those double teams, Jalen Waddle's open. The guy's a player, and yeah, the Dolphins did everything right in the offseason by putting all the pieces they could around Tua, and Tua rewarded them by playing what I think, I don't know if it was his overall best game. I mean, you can argue that it's the game just because of the stats. The stats were huge. But the fact that they yeah. didn't give up and score 28 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're down 28-14 going into the fourth quarter. You're down two touchdowns, and you think, uh -huh. how do we do this? And the Ravens scored another field goal. You know, they get 38. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? And, and I'm sorry, it was 35-21. The 35-14. The yeah, it was, yeah they, were down, they were down 21. Down 21 points. And you're just thinking, God, this, I mean, I was watching parts of that going, well, the Ravens are going to pull this off. Lamar's doing his thing. And, and no one's coming back from 21 in the NFL in the fourth quarter. Not only did they force it back, they won the thing in the fourth. They didn't have to go to overtime. 28 in the fourth quarter yeah. is phenomenal. And it tells me that I, I, I don't know if Tua is – for real, but I will say the weapons are there, and if he plays within himself, you're going to get good things, you're going to get bad things, but 
Man, you can't argue with a six-touchdown game. I think you're on something there. Yeah, it, you really can't. It, I mean, they, you, you're getting four touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone yeah. from a guy who has been a question mark. Now, is it an answer to this question mark? Not necessarily. It's the, it's it's what you see here is the potential. Like, this is what this could be. If yeah. they get everybody on the same page, if they're actually working – you know, if they gel like we like they hope they will, this is what they could be. They could be this good week in, week out if they can just capitalize. Yeah. That makes Miami very, very dangerous this and it, year. It, and I and I heard I heard it said this is the team you don't want to play this year. This is why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can score. And it helps that you got Tyreek Hill who can score two fifty yard touchdowns in a game. I mean, he had a fifty seven and a sixty something. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, he's when you can do yep. that, it, it's pretty ridiculous. I, I want to ask you something. Yep. I'm going to pivot from the Dolphins. Well, before we get to this, um, what else? Is there something else you saw this weekend that you that you wanted to point out? You mentioned the Dolphins. What else do you think? So they, and they were one of the three teams that had big comebacks yeah. this week. You know, we're talking about you know teams that overcame a deficit. Um, and 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 made a run at the end to to kind of pull it out. Yeah. Um, that they're the most significant in my in, in, from what I saw. I, yeah. There there were a couple others that are noteworthy. Yeah. You know, Jets. The Jets had a, had, a big, had a comeback. They, that was a pretty good game too. I'm not that was counting a good game on too, for you know for the Jets. Yeah. So here's my thing on the Jets. And then uh, and then uh, you know. We can always, you know, lament the uh, the Bucks win. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that right now. We're going to get to that. Oh, we don't get yeah, to my Saints. We'll get to that. Because we'll that's that. the other one was the Cardinals. I, thought I, I think. Was, yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah, they, it was, was the it was comeback one. weekend for sure. Yeah, I beyond that, the one thing that kind of surprised me, and and, I, and it was a pleasant surprise because I think they're turning in the right direction. The Colts getting blanked by the Jags. There's a and they show the stat. Trevor Lawrence, the, the Jaguars have the Colts number year in, year out. Yeah. It's not a fluke. It's been going on for a while now. If you look at the number. If you go back through the games over the last few years, the Jaguars have the Colts' number every time. Yeah. It's their it's their guaranteed win of the year against anybody else. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence went twenty five of thirty in that game. I mean, talk about efficient. Yeah. I mean, just I mean they and it was you know, seven points in the first, it was 10, it was seven, and then the defense just stopped. I mean, Matt Ryan did what I call Matt Ryan things. He was horrible. I mean, just yeah. awful. He had three interceptions in the game. His completion percentage, let me get it pulled up here, 30, uh, 16 of 33 interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, and this is a team that has one of the best running backs in yeah. the game. I would, yeah. I mean, he, if he's not one, he's two. I mean, What's crazy to me yeah. is the two teams with the best running backs. The Colts now are 0-1-1 after having a tie with the Texans and a loss to the Jaguars. And the Titans, who have the next best running back, I mean, if you want to argue who's better between Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, um, Titans are 0-2, and, and Derrick Henry hasn't been great. And it, it's just two not great teams. That whole division sucks. Yes, it does. I, you know, I, now, I did watch. We will preface this. We, we will preface this. 
It is only week two. Yes. But that but. division has that division has one win. That division has one win, and that's just the Jags win over the Colts. The Colts are 0-1 and one. Yesterday, yeah. The Texans are 0-1 and one. Um the Jags have the one win, they're one and one, and then your other team in the South is Titans are 0-2. Uh, who's 0-2? Titans. Yes, Titans are 0-2. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the other team I was looking and they're up to top, top my little cheat sheet they're to the top because they played tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the biggest lo- it's like it's one of those things that you know, they're all losers because nobody wants to win. It's just yeah, I, it, it's pretty bad division it, overall. It says something about the state of the division when the Jags have the only win across two weeks in that division. Uh huh. And it was a division. And they have a. It's a decisive win. Don't get me wrong. It's a. It was a good win for them. But it is the only win in that division. And that was probably the best game played in that division by by this any is the new division. This hey, is the new NFC least. These are this yeah. is maybe the worst division in football right now. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, did, did you watch any of the Broncos game? I watched some of it. Yeah. I, I didn't catch all of it. I did watch most of it. All right. So I watched a lot of that game. That was the local game televised here in Kansas City. I was pretty pissed because I wanted to watch the game of the week, which would have been my man Joe Burrow, which we're gonna get to my heart problems that it's gonna be caused by the Bengals <laughs> here in a few minutes. But I got to tell you, there's a, I had a lot of takeaways from this game, from this Texans and Broncos game. One, the Texans don't have any fucking horses, but God damn, do they play hard. They're trying. I, I, I really think this is one of those teams where they have the monkey off their back, that the, 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 the Watson drama is behind them, mm-hmm. and they are free to just be a team for once in the last yeah. few years. And it's starting to show, like, they actually are starting to have a little bit of life. They're not having a lot of success, but they've got a little bit of life. Yeah. As you say that, the Eagles just turned, the, the, the Vikings just turned the ball over again in the red zone. Another Kirk Cousins. Oh, right. Oh, Every time yeah. Kirk Cousins yep. cashes a check, that man is stealing money. I've been seeing that shit since the day he got there to Minneapolis, to Minnesota. He's Awful. But you but you badmouth him. I'll I'll say the same thing I said earlier. He's a genius. He's getting paid to be not good. Oh yeah. Yeah. God bless the he's man getting, for getting, he's getting his elite money. money. Yeah. He I is mean, this getting throw, his money and he's not that good. Oh God. Man coverage on Justin Jefferson. All he's got to do is throw it into the goddamn corner and he throws it in front of him. And Jalen Rieger picks it off. Like another, oh, Jalen Rieger like another quarterback we're about to talk about. Oh my God. So but I want to get back to Texas real quick. Um I think that they're not going to be good at all this season, but there are three teams that I think that, and we didn't talk about this before we got started, but three teams that you watch them, they're just well coached. They just don't have the driver at quarterback yet. And overall their rosters need a lot of help. The Texans are one of them. the Texans. Lovey Smith's the perfect coach for that team. They're going to take his yeah, attitude. Like him, he's he's not trying to be flashy. The funniest thing is the best player on their team is a rookie rookie quarterback. Derek Stanley's by far the best player mm-hmm. on their team. And they played great. He played fantastic in that game. 
The other two to me are the Jets, who came back and won this week. It was one of those comeback games. They beat the Browns, and they did it with Joe Flacco at quarterback because Zach Wilson's hurt. Um, Robert Salah is the coach there, and he they have his attitude. I mean, they, that, that roster is getting better and better. And then the third team, and people know him from Hard Knocks, but I was on them late last year, and I'm on them now, and they're going to be they're going to win games, and that's the Lions. Lions, they won yesterday. They're one and, and they, one. And they dominated that game. I mean, I know that it looked like a nine-point game, but that was some backdoor cover if I've ever seen it. They no, are... The commanders just played, played hard at the end. They got some garbage stuff. Yeah, they got the garbage Lions really own this game. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, just the Lions just whipped them. And Dan Campbell is a guy you will go with. I mean, dude, if... I am five foot and ten on a good day, weigh three hundred pounds almost. And if I was to play right now, I wouldn't be any good at all. But man, I would give every last drop of blood, piss, anything if I played for Dan Campbell. That guy, and I love all three of those coaches. I love Lovey Smith the same way. I like Salah. And I like Campbell. And I really like Campbell. He gets a quarterback. They're fucking dangerous. But, man, that team, I, I'm rooting I'm rooting for the Lions. And I'm rooting for them because they are the epitome of grit. All three of those teams really are. And just phenomenal. And so I was glad the Lions broke through and won this week. And I'm glad the Jets broke through and won this week. I want to see the Texans win one now. So and and they're in that division. They're gonna get one from somebody. They almost got one from the Broncos. Oh yeah. They almost got it from the Broncos. Russell Wilson, despite everything, did get the one late touchdown, and that really kind of sealed it for them for the Broncos. But Ricardo, is Nathaniel Hackett as bad as we think he is? I, he he might be worse. This this guy's awful. So here's the- I, I and, and here's and we have to preface this. It is only week two. It is a new quarterback. It is a new system. It's just week two. But in two weeks, this guy didn't didn't impress me. He actually turned me off. Yeah. I I thought the decision of week one was like you and I were sitting here screaming about it as it happened. Yes. And and here we are again the next week. And he's done nothing to alleviate these concerns. He's not a good coach right now. They have to waste timeouts. They get delayed game penalties because they, they don't they don't call their offense efficiently at all. Here's the quote from Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Broncos today. I need to do better making decisions faster and quicker and getting that information to the quarterback. It's got to improve. No fucking shit. It's literally the job on game day. Should be prepping for that every day. You know, there are other coaches who had this problem too. Mike McCarthy jumps to mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, you know how we we both feel about Mike McCarthy. I'm I'm really of the opinion. Now, here's what I understand. I I didn't know this until this week, actually. Now, Nathaniel Hackett was yeah. the offensive coordinator for the Packers last year, and he right. was he's been Brett. I almost said Brett Favre. He's been Aaron Rodgers' coordinator. Every year, Rodgers has won the MVP. 
And a big reason that Nathaniel Hackett got this job was that it was trying to bring Rodgers to Denver. That did not happen. They go get Russell Wilson, which, I mean, you and I both talked about this already. We don't think Russ is even close to Rodgers' class, but he is a future Hall of Famer, and he is a guy who's capable of being a very good quarterback. He's just not a yeah. top three or four elite quarterback. And a lot of that to he's, me has he's to He's a great to... quarterback. He's not elite. Yeah, he, he's, he's very, very good. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm not going to take away. My biggest takeaway on Russell Wilson has always been his lack of arm strength. He's been covered up because he's had good receivers in Seattle. He's had a good run game, and they've had outstanding defense when he was young and still learning. If you noticed, as their defense got old and the Legion of Boom got broken up because of the salary cap issues, Russ was put more was put on Russ's plate. They didn't do as well, and it seems like he there's a real bad. He can't carry a team to the promised land by himself. Yeah, he's just not capable of taking over. And there really seems to be a situation where this coach, who's never called plays at this level, now he's the head coach, and now he's calling the offensive plays, which, as a first-time head coach, I really have a problem with. I'll say it like this. I don't have a problem with Andy Reid trying to call plays. Andy Reid's a proven commodity. You know, a guy like a Sean Payton, a Sean McVay, you know, guys who are proven, they've been there. They just yeah. have the experience of how the flow of a game is going to go as a head coach. If they want to take that responsibility on, I, I won't always like it. And a lot of times I don't like head coaches calling plays, but I do understand. I don't like this idea at all of Nathaniel Hackett being the offensive play caller. And he's got to run the flow of the game, which he's never done as a head coach. And it turns out he's never been a play caller. So, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's, he has, he is trying to do too much that he's yeah. really not accustomed to doing. This is some, this is a situation where his OC should be making the calls. He should be guiding the game. He's yeah. got enough problems already with managing the game. Then you toss play calling on top of it and he's crumbling. He's not good. Yeah. You know, Bill Belichick has never been the offensive play caller of the Patriots. It's an overrated thing for the offensive for the offense to be called by the head coach. It's too intricate, and there's too many things you have to concern yourself with to be the offensive play caller and be the head coach during the flow of the game. I just this is a part where he doesn't trust anybody else because his experience is. He's had to be that guy all week in the room, either as a quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator, talking about the situations. But he's never had to worry about the game situation themselves. And, and I'll go yeah. to this idea that he has no clue how a clock works. And, and this isn't unique to Nathaniel Hackett. It's been horrible the first two weeks, and it's been exposed quickly. But it's by no means unique to Nathaniel Hackett. There's a lot of coaches in the NFL that don't seem to know how a clock works. And I we will already say mentioned that, one, McCarthy. But Mike McCarthy's one of them. You know, that was a critique of Andy Reid for years. 
All his oh, yeah, early on, yeah. yeah he had in to his learn. first couple of years in Kansas City. And you know what Andy Reid did? He went and hired Brad Childress to sit in the offensive play box, help out with his offensive people, but then to be the guy telling Reid in the headset, timeout here. Or coach, next play, timeout if we make this completion. If it's in bounds, no one when to use that. There's no limit in how mm-hmm. many coaches you can have on an NFL staff. Having a clock guy is so key at the end of a half, at the end of a game. It's one of the areas the Kansas City Chiefs got so much better than in a lot of teams. And I think that that's something that I, the Broncos have got to do something like that. Get somebody, if, if, if Hackett's not going to manage the game, one, he shouldn't be the fucking head coach. But if he's busy managing well, the offense, that's a, someone has to manage the clock. I just would not I think let a first time head where coach. he's been enough more he can show. He should be no. he should be relegating the the offensive play calling to the OC or so, or someone on the offense. He should be if he's not managing it, he should be getting accustomed to managing the clock and the game and the flow. Yeah. He can't do both. He's not doing either job right in any way right now. Mm-hmm. He needs to give up one of those and focus on the other. And where he should be is not on play calling. He should be managing the game. I 100% agree. He's not doing that. So on that piece, because Daniel Hackett's proved, and you said it earlier, I've said it twice, we're going to keep reiterating as we converse through this, it's week two. But it's happened to him two weeks in a row. It's like, did you not learn last week? Did the same fucking thing this week. He's not good with the clock. I want to talk about a couple other guys who I think, I don't understand how these three guys have fucking jobs right now. Nathaniel Hackett, I, <laughs> I just I think if I brought Nathaniel, I think if I was the owner or the general manager of a team and I'm hiring a coach, I think one of the questions has to be to a first-time coach, who is going to be your coordinators and how do you want them to call plays? I'll give you an example. When Sean McVay got the Rams job, he was the youngest head coach in NFL history. He understood that he's the boy wonder when it comes to offensive play calling, but he needed someone on the on the defensive side that was respected that could call a great defense and could help him with the flow of a game and he went and got wade phillips and there is nobody amongst players in the nfl more respected than that guy and so when he's able to go into an interview and go hey i know my shortcomings are i haven't managed a game yet and i'm not the best defensive guy but i got this guy who's an og and done it all it's a the winner how Oh, yeah. Daniel Hackett, as a DC is perfect. As good as you get. And I don't understand he's not how, a head coach, you're good to go. I mean, if you're one of these young guys, you know the guy I'd call? I'd call Rex Ryan. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd call yeah, Rex Ryan and be like, dude, your defense is dominated everywhere you went. My man, come in here, be my guy. If I'm a young offensive coach, if I'm a Nathaniel Hackett, or I'm a Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, who Zach Taylor got that job because somehow he was in the same breathing area as Sean McVay at one time in his life. And like every Sean McVay assistant <laughs> coach, he gets a fucking head coaching job. I don't understand these guys just don't. There is this hubris of I can do it all, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It, it's, it's, it's ego. Because the reality is, is that just because you can doesn't mean you should. 
it's not a question of ability. It's about it's about the best yep. approach for success. Look, Just because I can be the head coach and I can make offensive calls and things like that doesn't mean you should. You should do one thing really well and get somebody else to do something really well yeah. and give yourself the best chance for success, not a question of I don't need another person because I can do it all. That's that's just that you're right. It's absolute hubris. It's completely ridiculous. And you don't need to. Yeah. There's no need for it. And yet you go out and do it. That doesn't that is, you're not you're not impressing us. You're not proving anything. What he's doing right now is showing that he can't do either job right. Yeah. Yeah, and all you, and at the end of the day, your reputation is taking a hit for that because you think you can do it all. And the reality is you shouldn't do it all. Even if you could, you shouldn't. Yeah. I wanted to run this by you. These are the last five Super Bowl winning coaches. Last year, Sean McVay. The year before, uh-huh. Bruce Arians. The year before that, Andy Reid. The year before that, Bill Belichick. The year before that, Doug Peterson. They all have in common that they let their assistant coaches coach the game. Yeah. All five. McVay is the boy wonder when it comes to offense, but he's not the offensive play caller anymore. He's got guys doing that now. He's running the team, you know, and that's what happened with the Rams and why they've improved the last couple of years. It also helped. They got rid of Jared Goff and got Matt Stafford in there, but I mean, go back and look at Bruce Arians. Again, Bruce Arians is not going to be a Hall of Fame coach. I love BN, but he's not a Hall of Fame. But what's he done? He got there. He became the head coach. Yeah, you got Tom Brady. But what he really did was he went and got Byron Leftwich to run the offense and Todd Bowles to run the defense and said, I'll manage the game. You guys manage these two sides. Yeah. Andy Reid has notoriously done that so much better in Kansas City than he did in Philly. The knock on Andy Reid in Philly was, you do too much. He went and got guys he trusted. Yep. And then Bill Belichick is always very much. Yeah. Yeah. He just to me these these couple young guys and there's three guys that right now I'm looking at and I'm going, these guys do not deserve to be head coaches in the NFL. Nathaniel Hackett's one of them. Look, if you want Nathaniel Hackett to be your offensive coordinator and you've got an Aaron Rodgers with him, God bless you. It has worked. And I hate these goddamn pop-ups. I don't know if you can hear that or not. <laughs> Every time. ESPN.com comes up and throws a pop-up ad at me, and it's loud. So if you heard that, I'm sorry. It's a stupid ad for Disneyland. So anyway, um, Mike, my point. Nathaniel Hackett's an offensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Josh McDaniel was, he had a chance to be a head coach. He was at Denver years ago. He goes back to New England after failing miserably in Denver. Goes back to New England. He did a good job at the offense in New England the years he was there. You know, he obviously you had Brady. There was a lot of consistency. But even after Brady was gone, yeah. there was still some consistency. And they were never out of games offensively. He gets the job of the Raiders, and they're an abstract failure right now. I mean, they're they're right now, yeah, two, yeah. and they got beat by the Cardinals in a way you just shouldn't lose. I mean, you get out twenty-three to seven on anybody, 
you should be winning this game. But fumbles and bad and bad play calling where obvious times where you run the ball when you have a lead. So what do you do? Everyone knows this. When you have a lead in the NFL, especially, you run the football to shorten the game. Absolutely, you get you you burn the clock. You got to burn you it gotta up. Keep your lead and get to the end of the game as quickly as possible. It's, yes, it's it's NFL one on one. If I'm up twenty points on my opponent in an NFL game or in a high school game, if I'm up twenty. I'm going to run the football, and I'm going to run the football because oh, yeah, I don't want you to have the ball back. I want to give oh, you this. I'm, I'm, I'm running three to four, seventy-five percent, eighty percent of my plays are run plays. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Third and eight, yeah, we're going to have to throw. But, I mean, he's awful, and he's forcing shit, and he's got a shit quarterback. I, I know I'm 100% right, and anyone who disagrees with me, you're just fucking wrong, people who disagree with me. And Derek Carr <laughs> is just fucking trash. Derek Carr is trash. I, 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 this, this is not on Derek Carr. This is it's not, not on Derek it's Carr. It's not entirely. As, as, much, no, as, you not want, entirely. as much as you don't like him, I know you don't like him. This is not on Derek Carr. I, I, okay, so I, I, I will have to bad play calling and bad game management. Yeah, yeah. What you got to do is if you have Derek Carr as your quarterback, you've got to manage the game to where he doesn't hurt you. And frankly, there's nobody that fucking good as a game manager. I mean, nobody can manage that he's just not i would not hand Derek key the cars to my the keys to my offense i just couldn't do it i can't trust him to win me again and occasionally you have to have in the nfl you got to give the quarterback the chance to win the game for you he can't do it and well it, in, in, I, here's the thing i don't put i, I won't put this on Derek Carr. This is play calling and bad and yeah. bad team management. This yeah. is on the coach. Yeah. You had to you all you had to do was burn some more clock because that that last score came with no time on the clock in the fourth. Uh-huh. It was at it was a, it was at the very end. Yeah. If you burn the clock earlier, awful. they don't have the time to do that. Yeah, awful play calling. They just kept throwing and kept throwing and it, it was run the football. Run the football. So he's another one. And I'm going to yeah, tell you. Decent, the and they have a decent running back. It's just, it's all wrong. It's all I'll wrong. tell you the one right now that if he walked in this room right now, as I record here at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios, if this man walked in the room right now, I would hit pause, get up, and punch him in the face. And that is Zach Taylor of the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say this. I can't imagine why. And, and look, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Joe Burrow is my favorite player. He's LSU legend. He's my guy. I love me some Joe Burrow. This offense is predictable. This offensive line can't block. Every play goes for six yards or negative four because there's no inventiveness to play calling. The defense is okay it's not great but late in the game for some reason they can't stop anybody in the late fourth quarter apparently if you get the ball with about a minute to go against the Bengals, apparently everyone's playing on roller skates in the Bengals defensive backfield they get penalized a lot a lot of penalties in this Bengals team 
I chalked up week one to Burrow didn't play well. He didn't play in the preseason. We talked a lot about that last week. This week was just awful play calling. It was awful defensive spots, especially late in the game when the Cowboys ran out and got the field goal. I mean, red zone offense there. I mean, you can't let a quarterback get sacked seven times. I, I told you this before we came on. The NFL record for being sacked in the season is 60 times. Randall Cunningham in 1992 was sacked 60 times. Burrow was sacked 53 times last year. Yep. Burrow's been sacked 13 times in two games. He is at a pace of getting sacked 110 times. Now, he's not going to get sacked 110 times. If he does, he should ask for a trade immediately. But Zach Taylor, this is a guy that got a job because he was in the orbit of Sean McVay at some point. He was a quarterback's coach for McVay, a guy who never was the play caller, never was a head coach. He gets the job because the Bengals are cheap, and then he gets handed the keys. He gets a fucking Ferrari. He gets Joe Burrow. He gets Jamar Chase. They only threw to Chase on third down, and everyone's double-teaming him, sometimes triple-teaming him on third down. It's uninventive play calling. It's horrible. At some point, Joe, Joe Burrow's going to beat up Zach Taylor. Oh, yeah. It, the, the entire effort was sophomoreship best. Yeah. This, is, this was – you're talking about, at, at a minimum, just to address the the, the – the sacks and pieces you're walking into a Cowboys team who has Micah Parsons. They are, this is not the defense the Cowboys have had previously. They woke up last year. They had a good defense. They don't have Dak Prescott. You know, the offense isn't exactly firing on all cylinders, but guess what? They won yeah. and they did it with defense and they, they the offense was efficient because they came out firing on all cylinders in the first yeah. quarter because they were up 14 they got, they got two short fields first yeah they got two shorter fields because of kick returns kick return game was phenomenal for the cowboys the cowboys special teams was great in this game got in the short field both the first two possessions the cowboys drove both times because Bengals couldn't stop a nosebleed and then the cowboys defense played phenomenal but a lot of that was on the Bengals. And look, if you can't, if you're gonna, if if teams are gonna keep stunting at Joe Burrow, that's what they're doing. They're just going, they're rushing four, they're rushing five, and they're using a lot of stunts. It isn't a lot of exotic blitzes. He doesn't have time to throw. No, it's just, they're taking advantage of an immature offensive line <laughs> that's not that, that has not gelled. And and, and, to be, and to your credit, like you're saying, they're not coached well right now. Not at all. They're really not. No, it's it's really horrible. They shouldn't be this pedestrian on mm. offense so early. Now, at this point in the season, granted, yes, it is only week two, but uh-huh. they should be better than this. They were, they, where was the success from last year? Uh-huh. This is, it's all gone. They don't know how to coach this team. They don't know how to play this team. They got the right talent in the right places, and they're not, they don't know how to use it. They look like they forgot how to do this. Hey, one more thing I want to bring up on 
Now we we just watched the Eagles game is now over. They've won big. And how about Jalen Hurts? Yep. Man, I like me some Jalen Hurts. We've talked about him. Like we've talked team. about him. We, we, you know, where they are. And, you know, that puts them, what, 2 and I don't know. Yeah. You know who Jalen Hurts is? He's a better athlete of, of Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I said Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, he's a better Russell Wilson. He, he's more athletic. He seems to have a better arm, which, I mean, he doesn't have a great arm. But Jalen Hurts is a winner. <laughs> I'd go to I'd go to I'd go to war with Jalen. I would. I I I really like what the Eagles are doing. I think the team that can ascend the highest from where they were one season ago to now, I think it's the Eagles. They they have done so many good things in the last two off seasons. And if well, he's I mean, good, there we could arguably yes, arguably yes. But at the same time, let's let's take a, let's take stock of where we are in the NFC East. So the Eagles are two and zero. Mm-hmm. The Giants are two and zero. Yep. Commanders are one and one. And the Cowboys are one and one. Yeah. And I believe so's Dallas. Yeah. So we have the exact opposite of what the NFC East has been for years. Yeah. They're all in in the win column right now. Mm-hmm. In two weeks. Yeah. They're it, doing it, everything they're supposed to be doing, and 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 quite frankly, Dallas being one and one is is credit to them for having shown up. Yeah, I will give Dallas, I give Dallas a ton of credit for this week. I, yes. I mean, special teams was huge. Defense played great. I, I get you got to give them a ton of credit. Joe Judge has got something yeah. going. Not Joe, yeah. The, the Giants have got something going. I mean, they're not great. They're not even good, but they've won two games. No, it's not, it's, they haven't beat anybody. And I said Joe Judge, I mean Brian Dale. I mean, yeah. it's, and, and I, meant, I said JoJo, I meant the Panthers, Panthers. But they're still 2-0. and Yeah. They're 2-0 and where other teams are not. Yeah. The NFC has three 2-0 and teams after two weeks. The Giants, yeah. Eagles, and the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. No, there's somebody else's team. No. In the NFC. The NFC? The NFC. I got it here. Uh, Eagles and the Giants. Everybody in the NFC North is one and one. Packers, Vikings, Lions, yeah. and Bears. The NFC South, only the Bucks are two and zero. Oh. Um, the Saints are one and one. The Panthers and Falcons are both zero oh and two. And in the West, everyone's one and one. In the AFC, the only two and zero oh teams are the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean that's and that's saying parody I mean, is real. Parody is Chiefs. Real. Bills expected. Dolphins? Well, 2-0? The Dolphins and the Eagles, to me, I think we talked about this. These were the two teams was based on how was the quarterback going to play. If the quarterback plays yeah. well, they did. it'll be tough to beat. Those two quarterbacks have played well. And it's funny. You can because- argue between the two, but they're one and two for the offseason work that they did. That's one and two. The two top two yeah. teams that they benefited from the offseason, those are the two teams right there. And what's funny about it is that I don't know if you know this, but you know those two guys were teammates. Tua and and uh, Jalen Hurts were teammates at Alabama, and it was Tua that forced Jalen Hurts out in the national championship game at halftime. They switched to Tua. They win that game against Georgia, win the national championship, and that's when Jalen oh, yeah, Hurts yeah. transferred to Oklahoma and won the Heisman. 
and here they are. And here they are. Yeah. And here they are in the NFL. I mean, these two guys, and the, the knock on both of them was they didn't have huge bodies and huge arms. They're both athletic as hell. Well, I would say right now, both of these teams, they both quarterbacks have weapons. They're both getting protection. They're both getting exactly what they need to succeed, and they're both 2-0. Yep. It's early, but this is, you know, where you are now is an indicator of where you'll be later. We talked about this last week. How, you know, the percentage of teams that go 0-2 right now, and I hate to say that to you, but you know what it is. Yeah. When when you start 0-2, your odds of making the playoffs – go down dramatically. Yeah, it's something like... chances of making the the Super Bowl is almost non-existent. Yeah, it's something like 12% in the the old 16-game schedule. So, yeah, so if you're... It won't be too different from now. Yeah. It'll be a little different, but not too much for 17 games. If you're someone who... And I I was rooting for the Bengals. You know, the Bengals and the Titans, the two kind of surprise 0-2 teams. They're the two that really got some work to do. Because, I mean, and the Titans just got whopped. I mean, just walloped. They're 0-2. And, and just got beat by 40. 35, I guess. I mean, just. I mean, that that was a beatdown. He just got put on him at Buffalo. Um, I want to jump in. So you saw, I don't know if you saw this. Willie Gay from the Chiefs has been suspended four games for criminal property damage, a misdemeanor. With some property damage, he's in his car. He ran over some stuff. It was a fit of rage. He ran over some stuff. Less than a thousand dollars for damage. Misdemeanor. He's going into um, uh, what do you call it? A diversion program. The NFL just oh, yeah, gave him yeah. a four-game suspension. Does the punishment fit the crime on that one? It really doesn't. He got four games. It really doesn't. Go ahead. Yeah, it really doesn't. And here's I, I know where you're gonna go with it, but I'll go the other way. So he he has some misdemeanor destruction for running over some things. He gets four games. And there's there's two levels of extremes here that that are both examples from this year. On one side of it, we have the Mike Evans thing. We haven't talked about it yet. On the other side of it, you have the Watson thing. Yeah, I was going to go Watson first. Yeah, you figure Watson gets negotiated to how many games? Was it was it 13? 11. 11. It's 11. It causes $1,000 with the property damage, and he gets four games. And then I watched this game. I watched every play of it. Mike Evans started the fucking brawl. He pushed. He, he, res- he initiated the fight, but he didn't start. He started a brawl. That was there he was started a brawl. That was a brawl. That was a Donnie Brook. That shit broke out. <laughs> and his oh, yeah, bullshit yeah, yeah. excuse. You're not today, biased on this at all. His his <laughs> bullshit excuse of he was protecting his running back and quarterback are a whole lot of bullshit. If you know the history, Mike Evans has had a problem with Marshawn Lattimore for four years. Since they've both been in the league, since, since Lattimore's been in the league, Lattimore has completely owned him. They have gotten in a fight before. They got in a fight last season. Yeah. There was the, the incident where Evans shoved Jameis Winston in a game two years ago. Now, this has happened. This is 
I, I'm not going to call anybody a thug. I hate that term. But this is Mike Evans got suspended a game. What he did was basically he went, came from behind. He, he shoved came at him. Lattimore. He came from. Well, it wasn't behind. I saw it wasn't. Behind. He came at him from the side. He didn't. He didn't see it coming. Yeah. But he, it, he started a brawl. He started a brawl. Started a brawl. And it got it got plenty. There, all it was is he got involved physically where everybody else was jawing, you know, yes. running their mouth. In, in those two teams, those even four. Arians was in it off the off the sidelines. Yes. I mean, there. This is a heated game. Anybody who thought that doesn't realize that the Saints Bucks is a rivalry yeah. and they hate each other. This is exactly what we're talking yes. about here. They yes. do. They this do is not, not a. Lo- there's no love loss here. They, they do not like, do not like each other. And here's the here's the story. Lattimore has absolutely owned Evans. He has been the one DB that Mike Evans cannot beat for some reason. He's absolutely owned him. Tom Brady has gotten owned by the Saints his entire career. He's only going into this week, he's beaten the Saints one time in his career. That was the playoff game two years ago. He had never won in New Orleans. Then, yeah. I mean, I saw a game where he got beat by 30. The biggest loss of his career was to the Saints in New Orleans. A game where they took him, they took Brady out in the fourth quarter because they were so far behind. Yeah. It was horrible. It was a Monday night game. Fucking phenomenal. Anyway, <laughs> you look at this, and there is no love lost. These are the two best teams in the division. They both want to play in the Super Bowl. You got Winston at quarterback for the Saints, who's a former buck, talked a lot of shit when he left Tampa. He didn't like the way that he was treated at the end in Tampa. He felt like they put a lot of disrespect on him and his 30 touchdown, 30 interception season. He felt like a lot of those interceptions were not on him. That was on the play calling and how Arians was telling him to throw the ball too much, which has been a knock on B.A. I like Bruce Arians, but that's been a big knock on him over the years. There's a lot of love loss between these two teams, and they get after it. Mike Evans starts to brawl. He gets a one-game suspension. Now, first of all, they shouldn't even taken Latimer out of the game. Latimer shouldn't even been ejected from the game. He retaliated <laughs> by shoving somebody. There was no blows. He didn't throw any blows. He should not have been ejected from the game. But does he talk in a hell of a lot of shit? Yes. He talked a hell of a lot of shit throughout the game. But he shouldn't have been removed from the game. Then you get Evan. You no, know he shouldn't have gotten because he, he didn't get suspended. Evans gets a one-game suspension right. yeah. for starting a fight during the game. Now, I would venture to say that starting a fight during the game on your Fox game of the week that Tom Brady is playing on, so you know you've got an audience, is probably a bigger deal than Willie Gay running over a couple fucking stop signs. Agreed. I agree. The, the 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 gay suspension is ridiculous. The Mike Evans suspension, I get it. I am surprised. It's honestly, I thought this would be just a big fine. I thought he'd get a big fine. Honestly, I thought, I thought they would both give... get fined, but Mike Evans will get the big fine. I thought they were going to suspend both Lattimore and um and Evans. I thought Lattimore was going to get one or two games. I thought Evans would get like three or four. Because this has been a this has been no, something it did, Mike Evans has had this happen before. He has 
had on the field issues with fighting two other times. He's been suspended twice for this. This is this is basically his third strike at this, and he gets a game. Yeah, and there's the people complaining about this. There's there are people complaining that he got one game. He started the brawl. It's not the first time the NFL's had had fights on the field. And and here's 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 what you're going to hear from the NFL about the difference between the two. What Gay did wasn't on the field. What Evans did was. Yeah. So it's an, in that regard, because it's outside, it's it's detrimental to the to the to, to the brand, if you will, because it's in public and not on the field. Gay gets forced four games. I think that's bullshit. It's misdemeanor. It's really nothing. It's inconsistent. It is, but the problem is, is that we're arguing this when we know that the NFL is anything but consistent with their penalties and with their, with their punishments, whether it's game suspensions fines whatever it may be you know they don't treat everybody the same way they don't penalize everyone the same way they don't treat the same offenses the same way in this in a given year so for the nfl for any of this to make sense is we're going to argue this till till we're blue in the face and still get nowhere because it doesn't make any sense none of it makes any sense with the nfl when they hand out punishments like this but i I, in fairness I, i both of them getting ejected that doesn't bother me. Um, Evans getting a game suspension doesn't bother me. I didn't think that he would, but it doesn't bother me that he got one week. That Gay gets four games, it seems a little extreme when you consider that off-the-field actions from other players are far more detrimental when you start talking about different kinds of abuses that have been mm-hmm. done where the punishment the NFL hands down is rather weak. Yeah. So to me, this is a little strong-army bullshit. Um, I know you, and, and the thing is, let's be honest, you're a little biased. I, I am. I'm, admit, I'm a, a Saints fan. I'm, I'm, I am certainly a little biased <laughs> here. It just it keeps happening with Mike Evans. And it wasn't like he was involved but it, either. But it, it, happens, it, it, it happens with the Saints. It really doesn't happen with most other teams. It's the Saints. Yeah, it's but, Lattimore. It's but he guys. also, he wasn't even in the <laughs> argument at the time. I mean, it's Lattimore is arguing with Leonard no. Fournette. And they're drawing back and forth. Well, it, well no, it was, it was, it started with, it actually started with Arians on the sideline, moved to Fournette, then became Brady. And that's when Mac Evans, uh, you know, sideswiped him. Because that was the, right before, before Evans hit him, he was, he was, he was fighting with, he was arguing with Fournette. Then he, then Brady gets in, he's drawing back and forth with Brady. That's why it's like, he didn't come from behind. He actually came at him kind of from the side. Because yeah. I'm surprised he didn't see him coming. Honestly, when I looked at the replay, I was like, well, it's just on your peripheral. Why didn't you see him coming? You knew he was coming. Like, you look at it, and he should have seen him. But at the, at the same time, you know, he's focused on Brady, who's like, – they're, they're a couple feet apart yelling at each other on the field. So right there, Lattimore has gone from Arians to Fournette to Brady and then gets hit by Evan. Yeah. He's just – there's just no – ne- they're never going to get along. Yeah, and, and Bruce Arians, I like Bruce Ever. Arians. He shouldn't be on the sideline. He's not a coach. I agree, but he was. He was. He was. He, he pointed. He jawed at him, and then took those steps back because he, it's like, well, I'm not going to get on the field. The league needs to step in. Stir on some that. shit up. Yeah, he, the league needs to step in on that one because, and, and again, and I'm a big. I love Mr. Bruce Arians, but he isn't. He is. A, he is a front office guy. You wouldn't allow any other general manager 
or front office guy to be yelling at the referees during the game. And Bruce Arians was. That's to me, that's not acceptable. So I, I you could argue that maybe that won't happen again in the future. I, I'm at the sure same time, you can argue that it's the Saints. Yeah. You can yeah, argue sure that Lattimore. The right way to handle it is what they've done. They've probably sent him a note saying, your ass ain't going on the sideline anymore, especially against New Orleans. Yeah. So it's yeah, There's, it there's a part hard. of that you could just say, hey, you riled up, you got him riled up, you got, and it ended up, you know, how would they call it? They uh, it just uh, dominoed into a, an ejection and suspension from one of our top receivers. Yeah. Do not do this again. Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't think you can do, do that. You think it was common right. sense, but. You know, all right. Last one, and we, this is where you and I went at it earlier off offline. Oh, okay. Are we going right. here? So now? Okay. I think we agree on the point, but we disagree on the play. I'm already tired, and we're only a day into this motherfucker. I am already tired yeah. of the overplayed idea that keeping Jimmy Garoppolo was a genius move by the 49ers. So I'm about oh, no, no. We're in agreement on this point. Yes, we yes, are absolutely in agreement. Actually, yes. The 49ers are the luckiest fuckers in the league right it, now. They didn't plan this. They uh, fell into They were stuck with him, and now they're grateful they have him. Yes. But they didn't want him. They couldn't get rid of him. They were lucky to keep him because right now he's the best thing that's happening with the 49ers. Because he's the best option. I'm sorry. He's the best. He's not the best. He was the now. best option before week one. Well, that's, and that's where we disagree. That, well, let's, let's that's talk where you and I disagree. He was still the best point. option before the season started. He was the best option before the game started. He's the best option they have right now. All right, Period. So let's set it up so everybody knows what we're talking about in case they don't know. Um, 40 hours quarterback Trey Lance is injured. He is out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo had the huge salary cap number and worked the deal to restructure his contract because through the entire summer, the 49ers were trying to trade him and nobody would take it. They even considered cutting him and no one was going to resign. No one was willing to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Not for the price yeah. tag that he was being yeah. listed at. And even at a lower cap number that he's at now, no one came in and tried to get him. Even when the Dallas Cowboys lost Dak Prescott for six to eight weeks, they didn't make a move. But now I'm supposed to hear... In fairness, the, the Cowboys weren't going to. I, I don't think so either, but it's another example of what could have happened. True. True. What I'm already tired of is the, the narrative that the 49ers somehow are geniuses and they kept this guy because he's worth it. Look, he's the best option they've got right now. Trey Lance is out for the season. I get it. He is their quarterback for the rest of this season. Where I think we disagree, you actually like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't think he's a good quarterback at all. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. I think he passes the Tannehill test for us. I think he, they have had plenty of success with him at quarterback. There's not a reason for a – I understand the desire to upgrade. I yeah. get that. But they didn't upgrade. They haven't upgraded. <clears throat> they didn't do what needed to be done to 
to get an upgrade. So he's still the best option they have, even when they, he's the backup. He's still the better quarterback on that team. Yeah, so where I disagree with you is I don't think he's the better quarterback. But he is their best option right now, certainly. I, I, there's no disagreement on that. I do think we need to go back. So we've had the Ryan Tannehill rule on this podcast as it started. The idea of for your team to be a Super Bowl contender, your team must be have a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Ricardo, we may have to come up with a different quarterback. We might need to. We might need Especially to look at that. Time. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to talk to Tyler Jones about that as well because we use that rule in the, his podcast. We may have to look at that rule. But where I disagree with you to a borough? I don't know. I don't think there's very many. I don't think there's that many better. Oh, and two. He went. He went to a Super Bowl last year, and he's going to right now. Maybe he just need to be better than Burrow. Yeah. So, I, I, we'll have to list quarterbacks <laughs> out. But what I'll say on the Garoppolo thing, okay. I don't think he's an even top half of the league in quarterbacks. I don't think he's in the top twenty. I, there, oh, there, yeah, are, we, there are there yeah, are not any quarterbacks that I would take that I wouldn't take over him. I think there are more. I mean, there are more quarterbacks I would take Garoppolo over than you. That's true. I, I can think of teams right now I would put Garoppolo on, and I think it's an upgraded quarterback for a number of teams. All right, you tell. Give me an idea of how many teams you think. Give me a couple of teams you think it's an upgrade. All right, let me let let me let's let's run through this because I know I rattled off a few right off the bat. Yeah. One, uh, Geno Smith. I would put him above okay. Geno Smith. And I would give you that one. I, if Geno Smith had a great week one, see, and he is Seattle's primary quarterback right now. Well, in he, that had division, great, he had a great week one against, against a Nathaniel Hackett, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was gifted a little yeah. bit. And he didn't play especially yeah. well late in the game. Yeah, I, I think that I can yeah. deal with it on, on that. Here was my point. While you're looking at that, my point is, I know a lot of people talk about Jimmy Garoppolo when they went to the Super Bowl in 2019. He was a big reason for that. But what has happened is really and truly, he is not just a game manager, but he is also a guy that, the, the, especially the last two seasons, the 49ers have changed their entire offense to work around him. What I mean around, I don't mean to use his skills but to minimize what he does because he doesn't particularly do anything well. He doesn't do anything that badly. He's, he's, he's a good quarterback. He, he's the quarterback who's not going to lose you the game. He okay. can keep the game. He, he can keep the game under wraps. He manages the game well. Okay. And that's, that's what they've had success with. And, and it goes back to the simple thing. It feels like forever ago when we're talking three years, he had, he went to a Super Bowl, he had a losing season. And he went to a playoffs last year. Yeah. So in two or three years, he went to the postseason deep. Yeah, they went ten and seven last year. These are year. not bad things. He went six and ten the year before that. They went thirteen and three the year before they won the Super Bowl. Or with the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl. But okay, so yeah, they lost it. But I, I'm taking some notes here. I'm looking real quick. I'm looking at teams and I'm going, okay, how many teams do you think do I think I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than their starting quarterback? I'm looking real quick. I would rather have him on. I would put him. I would put him squarely in Seattle, Atlanta, Carolina. Um, Carolina, I have a arguably list. Atlanta to me is a push. But it, I, and I will admit that I'm higher on Marcus Mariota than most people are. 
because basically they're the yeah, same I'm not high on Mario at all. But Mario's a better running player. But that's a bias. I, I, I don't. I don't like Mariota. I've never liked Mariota. Yeah. I would also put it. I think now, granted, in the future maybe, but right, we're talking right now. The Texans. He's a better quarterback than Mills I, is right I now. I like Davis. I know you. Better. And if I and I think he could become something. But today, no. I, I would today, still take Garoppolo. I think if you put him in the same, situation, I would put him in. Yeah. I would put him in Cleveland. Well, the Cleveland's a backup Cleveland quarterback, quarterback right now. The Cleveland's a backup quarterback right now. If you say, hey, Sean, and... No, no, no. We, that, we, let's not go too far. Let's not go crazy. I may not like the fucker, but he yeah. is he is a talent that he is. Yeah, I'm taking Deshaun. So Cleveland, I mean, that's five teams right there. I uh, See, I've got... And you could argue a couple other teams. I think you could debate it, but I don't think he wins. I, I know he won't win it with you, you know. Um, and there, so there's things that go on. But there's a number of teams right there who I think Garoppolo is a better quarterback than is starting right now, and he was the backup. Okay. So I would take a look at it. For what they've done. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to the playoffs in three years. When was the last time Aaron Rodgers made a Super Bowl? That's That's a fair point. That's going to be a simple answer. When was the last time Rodgers was 6-10? and He makes the playoffs every year. He wins the MVP, but he can't get to a Super Bowl. Yeah. In I don't know how long now. Well, I – if going to the it's Super Bowl is your thing, I mean, there's been some quarterbacks that, hey, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl the year before Garoppolo win. True. Um, no one's calling for but Nick he, Foles as a quarterback right now. This is true. This is true. But is anyone accusing Nick Foles of costing them? You know, Nick Foles is kind of in that same – he didn't win the Super Bowl. He just guided a winning team yeah. to a Super Bowl. Yeah. But you can same argue that Jimmy Garoppolo – Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo might have cost him the Super Bowl. He threw a pass blindfolded in the game. He threw a pass into the end zone, <laughs> falling away with his eyes closed. It's still not the worst pass that's been made by a quarterback in that season. Uh, he's he's awful. I look. At, I took the list. I took four situations. Only four. I took the quarterback situation. Who's their starter right now? Because. There's a couple of these with like Cleveland. You brought Cleveland. I'd probably take him over Jacoby Brissett. I don't know that I necessarily would, but I mean Deshaun's their quarterback. The Jets, I would take him over Flacco, but I would take Zach Wilson over. The Patriots. Oh, yeah, uh, let's forget at, about. Hey, let's not forget about Matt Ryan. Yeah, now see Matt Ryan's one of those. I'm going to recuse myself today. Today, today, I'm not arguing I might, the greatness yeah. of Matt Ryan in the past. Today, yeah, because Matt Ryan. yeah, because see, see Matt Ryan to me is one of those guys stealing money. He he and Kirk Cousins, and and we all know that I absolutely despise Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's one of my like least favorite players of all time. And, and he, he looks. He sits there on the side. And he looks like he's just a ghost. Like he's not even there. Look, he he like he he like his mind leaves his body when he's not on the. Like he's just not there. He he. Matt Ryan is his was his talented a quarterback prospect that there ever was. I mean, the guy built like a. He's built like a quarterback. He's six foot five. He's good. Got the big arm. He's good looking. He knows the game. He's got everything you'd no want. One, yeah. And the only absolutely he, absolutely. Only season he was truly great was the year that he had Kyle Shanahan with him, and he won the MVP. And you go, man, this guy's a good player. But then he lost Kyle Shanahan. You they see the lost, potential. 
They lost a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, and he ain't been right since. And my thing about Matt Ryan has always been, you've heard me say these words, you can always trust Matt Ryan to do Matt Ryan things. He turns the ball yep. over late in the game. Now, where I would like Garoppolo better than that is that Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over like Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan could go take a team down the field and score. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to change the entire offense to be a different type of team when you have him as your quarterback. That's my number one complaint on Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Bill uh, Belichick sure. sold us a bill of goods. Let me, ask, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Well, Bill Bill is very much, uh, as we say, Belichick does very much Belichick things. Yeah, he he, he likes to do it his goods. way. If it doesn't fit his mold, Garoppolo doesn't fit his mold, I understand that. If you don't fit, if you cannot fit into the Belichick way, you do not fit in his team. And that's happened not just to quarterbacks. It's happened to players in all positions on his team in New England for years. Yeah. We've seen that with play, with talented receivers who left the Patriots and went somewhere else and had great success Yeah, because they don't fit into the Belichick way. And I think Garoppolo didn't fit into that. Let yeah. me ask you this, though, as I'm looking at this. Today, would you rather have Jared Goff running the Lions or Garoppolo? I would rather have Jared Goff. Yeah, I'd rather have Garoppolo. So the four I think teams... that they're in the position where right now where it – now I do think, I think that, golf is a square peg and is 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 a circle and a square peg there yeah. on the sides where he's doing well he's holding them well he's the best quarterback that they have but I don't think he's the best quarterback for that team I think there well, is I think Garoppolo would actually fit them better I agree that I think that the Lions will be better if they replace Jared Goff but I think they're worse replacing him with a Jimmy Garoppolo they they need a they need a passer that will be my thing they need a guy who can throw the ball. That's the knock on Jared Goff. Uh, there are four situations that I see where Jimmy Garoppolo is an improvement. You mentioned Carolina. 100% agree. 100% agree. I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over, over Baker Mayfield and that whole quarterback situation. I would take him in Seattle. Frankly, I'm surprised he didn't end up in Seattle. There was a lot of conversation around that, and it just never happened. I would take him in Washington because I – don't believe in Carson Wentz at all. I believe he is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, one of the most overrated players in the history of the league. I think he's great for 11 weeks. And I, I yeah, <laughs> I think he had a 12-week stretch three years ago where he was fantastic. And I would take him in Pittsburgh over their situation. Um, yeah, I'm not high on Mario. I'm not high on Trubisky. I don't like Trubisky. So I would take Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo makes a lot of sense there, too, because of the nature of the offense as well. Seattle I, and, and in Pittsburgh, a, I'd be yeah, like, I don't okay, think I can take him. I like Tomlin. Yeah. I, can take, I like Tomlin. I like his coaching style. I think he has success with and I think he, Tomlin is, is very much the Belichick that's not Belichick in that he can have success. He knows how to coach, and yeah. he has good coaches. Well, so I think Pitts, I like Tomlin. I like him in Pittsburgh yeah, because he's coachable. Yeah, and I, I think the situation would be that Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy. Now, again, they have Kenny Pickett. He'll be their quarterback sooner than later. He'll probably be their quarterback by the end of the season. But um, I like Garoppolo in the situation because it's also a run-first offense, which is rare in the NFL. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you could fit Jimmy Garoppolo in that. And that's why he does tend to work with San Francisco. They're a run-first offense. But if they're going to go to a next level in that division where you got the Rams, you're going to have to be able to score some points. And yeah. I just the whole that whole narrative just kind of pissed me off. I was like, I can't believe that people actually are buying this. It's not. It's not fortuitous. <laughs> no, no. This it's is this is media messaging. Anybody who. Now, this is media messaging. Anybody who follows football understands that the 49ers are counting their blessings. They're getting their, their horseshoes over doors. They're getting their four-leaf clovers in order. They're doing everything because they are lucky as hell. They did not want this situation, and they are grateful to be there because they otherwise they would be completely screwed. There's no messaging, I will believe, that the 49ers planned this that this is what they expected to have happen they're so no they are they didn't they didn't protect themselves they fell into a good situation on a bad day for a kid for a kid in his second game hey i wanted to ask you because you saw this from a different perspective than i did you watch thursday night's game the chiefs chargers game yeah yeah you watched on amazon the only place it was I at. did. I did. I actually liked it. What I actually, was your I, was, take I was glad to watch it. Yeah. I, I will say I have heard almost exclusively positive reviews. Uh, what was I have not seen it because I was at the at the game. But humble brag. I was in the worst seat you can have though. My man Dave Childers who got us to see through with the big group. We were in the second row from the top. <laughs> we were we were in such bad seats that I actually got a nosebleed. Oh. That's <laughs> uh, hilarious. It's tough when you uh, gotta buy like. I'll tell you. I'll say this. I'll say this. I don't. I wouldn't say they did anything. The Thursday night broadcast on Amazon. They didn't do anything exceptionally better than anybody else. What they didn't do is they didn't screw it up. It yeah. felt like NFL football on Thursday night, and that's all it needed to be. That's all I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sit down watch the game and watch the game. I didn't want anything to be distracting. I didn't, you know, yes, there were a couple, there were, they streamed a couple of extra Amazon commercials versus other commercials, but so what? Who gives a shit? That's to be expected. At the end of the day, the broadcast was good. The streaming was good. I enjoyed the entire game. I actually got, because of this, because uh, in, in uh, it, the way Prime does it, you can actually pause it and do all those things, which is nice. So, I'm fine with it. There was nothing wrong with the stream. The game was good. The, the stream was consistent. I have no problems with Amazon. I'm actually really glad they have it. Yeah. Because I didn't have NFL.com. And so I now get to watch them every week on Thursday like it's supposed to be. Yeah, they don't have it on NFL Network. I mean, if it's your local teams, like the Chiefs locally were also, that game was put, I believe it was on CBS. I don't recall. It was one of the local channels was able to do it for the local team. Uh-huh. So that game in LA and Kansas City was seen local on television. But otherwise, you had to have Amazon. Amazon's game this week is uh, Pittsburgh Cleveland. Yeah. So and they've got some good matchups coming up later in the season. So it's a great way to not to start it with the the Chiefs and the Chargers. What a great game that was. I talked about that on the Roddy Pod. But um, I was curious your your ideas on it, hear your ideas on it because I heard from a couple people that they really liked. I mean, Al Michaels to me is the greatest play-by-play guy of all time. I think he's phenomenal. Even in his, in his late yeah. age, as he is, I think he's near eighty now. 
he is still as good as he's ever been. And I was wondering, I haven't heard him yet. I haven't heard him and Kirk Herbstreit together yet. Herbie's a guy that is phenomenal in college football. Haven't I've seen a couple of playoff games he's done in the, in the on ESPN, and he was really good. But I was curious to see how it was going to go. I've heard nothing but good things. And then I heard the pregame and postgame shows were great. Oh yeah, I did. I because I actually I I didn't realize you know they were like okay it starts then so I went in and was like oh wait the game doesn't kick off for like another hour and a half yeah um, but they had they're doing they they're kind of taking Amazon's taking the approach so let's let's it I want to call it the spaghetti you know they're throwing it to the to the to the wall and see what sticks because mm-hmm. they have multiple casts they had one that was very much kind of like the Manning cast where they did uh, did it with Dude Perfect I don't know if you know who they are. Okay. Do that again. I'm sorry. Um, so they had a, yeah, they had they had a cast with uh, Dude Perfect. So they had like a Manning cast, but it was with Dude Perfect. Oh, okay. I don't know okay. if you know who they are. Okay. They're they're. Ask your son. Okay. He, he will know who they are. Okay. Um, he will definitely know who they are. Um, but so, I just watched the regular cast. I didn't bother with anything else. The pregame was great. They had they had a lot of the Fox people were there. Well, those um, people all are now Amazon people. They've all left Fox. Yeah. So, like, people see Carissa Thompson and think she's with Fox. She left Fox completely. She's an Amazon. And they went and got... Yeah. And uh, she did great. And they got they, Whitworth, they actually... They, it was Sherman. fun. It was fun. You had Whitworth, Sherman, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and who was the other one? Oh, uh, with no, I think that's everybody, isn't it? Was it just the three of them? I, I think it was the three of them with Carissa. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I was selling. We were there t- might have been somebody else. It's, I didn't get it's, to it's watch it. To me. And I heard it was some fun. good things. And I'll say this. I think Carissa Thompson is so good. Like, I think yes. that Fox. I liked her on Fox. I look forward I, to seeing her on like, Sunday mornings on Fox. She could replace the guys on CBS and Fox on their their main pregame show, like the where you have James Brown on CBS and you have Kurt Menefee on Fox. She is just as good as both of them. She's phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that she went to Amazon because she knew they weren't gonna they weren't gonna replace yeah. either of them with her. So if she goes to Amazon, she gets that position, and she's good yeah. at it. I like her in it. Yeah, and it's, she's knowledgeable. She does great interviews when she's on with the with the players, um, yeah. and she and she she hosts. She guides the the, the show well. Yes. Yeah, I just I. I wish I could have watched it. I will watch it. Uh, Tony Gonzalez was the other one. So I couldn't think of. Tony, yes, yes. Because they were in Kansas City he, and they were and, talking. They yeah, actually got him the, out on the field. Yeah. Yeah. It was a and, they, and, they, and I think that's for the reason people think he was a Fox. Well, he's now at Amazon. So uh, he's not on Fox. Yeah. yeah, the Amazon, everybody went to Amazon, left where they were at, except for Herb Street. Herb Street's still doing college football on ESPN. But everybody else gets to go over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to have these good these good pregame shows, and I think it's an important part of the, you know, if you look, um, the last big thing that they the last time that there was a big move like in the, a seismic shift, if you will, and how football was presented, was when Fox got the NFL away from uh, at the time it was CBS that didn't have it, and they got the yeah. NFC package from CBS, and the first thing they went and did was hire John Madden. And then they went and got Terry Bradshaw right. and 
um, and Jimmy Johnson and a couple others that are, I mean, those two guys are still on the pregame show, but they went and they made it big time. And that's what Amazon has done. They went and got big names. I mean, you, there is no bigger name than Al Michaels. He is, I mean, it, I, there's nobody who would argue he is not the best and probably the best of all time. And, and then again, Herb Street was a big deal. I know they were trying to get uh, Troy Aikman to go with them. There was talk of um, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I hear Herb Street was really good. I didn't get, you know, I didn't get to see to listen to it. I only got to watch the game in person. Uh, but so I'm looking forward to watching Thursday nights and that whole presentation. I think it's so important for Amazon to do it the right way and not half-ass it, and they clearly haven't done that. They went and got some major players and represented every part of the game with what they've done with Tony Gonzalez, you know, who's kind of a respected guy. Everyone knows who he is. You know, you've got um, Richard Sherman, a guy who's well-educated, you know, knows the game, defensive guy. Then you've got Andrew well Whitworth. Well-respected in the field, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Whitworth, who I like that you got a line. And I like that we got an offensive line. And Big Wit is, I mean, he's an LSU guy, so he's my guy. You know, so I think it's cool what they've done. <laughs> and they go out and got these guys. Hey, man, you always prop your LSU guys. You know, but I, I, it's it, not the best game this week, but I think you'll enjoy the show. The pregame yeah. was good. The broadcast itself was exactly what I would hope out of a good broadcast. Mm-hmm. You could pay attention or you could zone it out. It wasn't a, it wasn't intrusive. It wasn't overbearing. It was, you know, it hit the right notes. It was balanced. Mm-hmm. Everything was really done well. I think they're trying a few different things to see what sticks, but at the, at the core of what the broadcast is, they, they, they hit the bullseye, and not that nothing spectacular bullseye. Yeah. They just hit the mark. They did what they needed to do, yeah. and they didn't miss. Yeah. And they're in play to get Sunday ticket, and we know it's down to Amazon and Apple for Sunday ticket starting next season. And that's it'll be phenomenal. See what they pull off on that. Uh, hey, I want to read. Yeah, they, did, they didn't. That was the one thing I wish they hadn't done. Is like, oh, we're thankful to because they because Bezos was there with Roger Goodell yes, at the I game. Know. Yeah, they were uh, constantly reminding us that thank you, Bezos, for getting us Thursday night football. And I'm like, yeah. shut up. I don't know why they didn't invite we me have down to Thursday the box. night football. It's all we want. I don't know why they didn't invite me to come down to the box because it would have been a great conversation to have me with Bezos and Fidel. <laughs> and I really had bad seats. I had a great time. People I went with, we had the it was the Chris Shield celebration. So you know Chris. You knew Chris back in the day. So it was the great. We had a great crew. I want to shout out Henri Yule, Brian Yule. Uh, it was their brother Chris to be celebrated his life, and we do that every year in a ball game. It was a great time. The wives all came, and then the USC guys showed up there, and it was they had a good time as well. So it was it was fun. So, um, real quick, we're going to do this really fast. A week three preview. I want to just hit on a couple of games. There's a couple of them here. Oh, I'm going to ask okay. Interesting stuff. We got Packers at Bucks. This is the three o'clock Fox game. So we'll have um, we'll have the the three o'clock the the big game on Fox. So that what do you think? Is this gonna be Green Bay and Green Bay played well? I'm sorry, I, I I'm taking Tampa on this. I'm sorry. It, it, there's I, I even I have Rogers on my fantasy team. I'm still picking Tampa on this game. The the Green Bay is still the, when when Aaron Rodgers 
for two weeks straight has said we're going to have to work to get the young receivers in line and blah, blah, blah. I'm sick. I don't want to hear it. This is bullshit. You guys aren't on the same page. You might get there. I don't want to hear it. They're, they're not firing all cylinders. They're not playing their best ball. Tampa wins that. I'm going to take green Bay right now, but it's, I mean, it's all subject to change of his injuries or whatnot. I mean, Evans may not play, but then also that old man's washed. Brady's washed. This is, gonna, this is this is all. I think the game. Honestly, I think both of these teams are gonna. It's gonna come down to the running game and I and defense. And I think Tampa has a better defense, and I think they have the edge in the running game. Yeah, it's gonna come down to an Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette battle. I think you may be right on that one. Um, I'm trying to find out one more game here. Buffalo at Miami. Early in the season, when we oh, got two two and O teams. Does anybody look better than Buffalo does right now? Nobody looks better than Buffalo. Right? Buffalo is came out the gate firing all, all cylinders. They showed it again and, uh, uh, this week. It, it they are they are the only team that came out ready to win a Super Bowl, not to win a game, not to win a week, not to make the playoffs. They have one thing in mind for what, the, what you've, they've shown in two weeks. We're going to come in, we're going to bulldoze everybody we see, and we're going after a rig. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all they're going to do, and they're going to go through anybody they have to, to do it. This is a Bills game. I would like to see Miami show up really well because they're 2-0. and I like what they showed at the end of the game yesterday. I'd like to see some more of that. I don't think yeah. it'll be enough take Buffalo, but I would like to see some more of what they can do in this game when they need to. Yeah, this is important. The team is firing on all cylinders right now. It's an early, I mean, week three, this is an early game. It's a, yeah, it's an early in the season, big game, and it's an early game on Sunday. Um, The other one I'm going to bring up, how bad are the Kansas City Chiefs going to beat the Indianapolis Colts? Well, the, the Colts got blanketed this week. I think that happens again, and it doesn't matter what how many touchdowns the Chiefs score because I don't think they let I don't think they let the Colts in again. I and think they is, get, I think Colts get zero tw- two weeks in a row, and I don't know when the last time they, they'll we'll see stats on how long it's been since that's happened again. Yeah, I I'll tell you I I, I don't see the it. Chiefs are going to just bomb rush the Colts, and and we know I'm no Chiefs yeah. fan, but man, they they're good. I, I really think I mentioned this on Friday's pod. I really think that I think there's three exceptionally good teams. I think Buffalo is the best team in the league. I think the Chiefs and the Chargers are the next two. And we talked about this briefly before we got on. I would pay money to see a baseball style series of the Chiefs and Chargers. Because I'm not sure who <laughs> yeah, the better team is. True. I'm absolutely not sure who the better team. No, I don't know. I will it, say it, that it really I, it is a week to week thing with them with these two. Yeah, I looked. At, I was at the game Thursday. I was impressed with both teams. I think the Chargers played better on Thursday night, but the game came down to the one mistake that Herbert made, and that yeah. And Mahomes got away with the one mistake he made. He made the one interception. It was going to be an interception, and the guy dropped it. Yeah. And yeah. if that and, and with, with, when you have teams of this level, 
when yeah. they're this, when you got teams that got this much talent are this good, yeah. it's not about are you better than the other person is. Do you make less mistakes and do uh -huh. you capitalize on mistakes made by the other team? That's the difference Absolutely. when you get to this layer and these two teams. And that was the difference. That was it, it was a small thing, but those are the small things. When we talk about championship runs, we talk about high caliber teams playing each other. It's the little things. It's yeah. the small details that get you. Yeah. The Chargers really benefited in adding another pass rusher. They were able to get after Mahomes. They were able to make him make some mistakes. Again, I've said I think that Mahomes make a small regression this season. I think we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, he was not going to blow up like week one. We said that after week one. But he's no, not bad. He's bad. just not going to be five touchdowns every week. But no, they're still, they're still, of, you know, they're still figuring out who they're going to be. Yeah. It's not a question of do they are they talented? Do yeah. they have the skill? It's a question of gelling into an identity that can they can take them deep. And they're yeah. not it's week two. They're still, they're not on all cylinders like Buffalo is, and yeah. they will be on all cylinders very soon. Yeah. I do think Buffalo's defense is incredible too. I think that if you're going to power rank them, boy, I'd oh, have God. Buffalo one by virtue of winning. I would have the chiefs two and the chargers three, but the line after that, the drop off from those three teams to everyone else is a pretty sizable drop off. Well, you could argue, you know, you still got, you know, Donald I, in L.A. I would tell you that I think the Super Bowl champion is one of those three teams. And I wouldn't give oh, I, a dollar If I were to pick you. On, if you gave me a dollar and said you could have those three or the other 29 teams, I would take those three. I would take those three as well. But as, you know, if we're talking purely defense, you know, you can. Uh, there's a good argument for the LAD. There's good argument right now for the Dallas D with Micah Parsons playing well. And I would argue, and, and I'm looking as you were saying, your three teams. The other through the next three, I keeping my eye on. I'm looking at Detroit, Minnesota. Aiden Hutchinson is having a is is yeah. coming off to a very good start. Very, you know, he's not there. It, it's it's early to say, but he's kind of the early favorite to be rookie defensive player of the year right now. Yeah. Yeah, and so Detroit-Minnesota catches my eye as an interesting game. Um, L.A.-Arizona. L.A.'s 0-2. And so, you know, coming up against an Arizona team that just got a nice little uh, little boost. The Rams are 1-1. One one. about that game. And honestly. Huh? The Rams are 1-1. One one. They won this week against Atlanta. Oh, they won. Oh, they won. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they destroyed Atlanta. There's so many. It's, there's so many. It's unsurprising, you know. 0-2 teams right now, Burrow. Um, the other game that catches my eye is Dallas, New that. York. Because New York's yeah, <laughs> New York is 2-0. Yeah. New York is 2-0 playing Dallas without yeah, without Dak. That, the Monday night game is also an interesting matchup. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I agree with you on the Detroit thing. I, If there's any team that's going to go out there and just take it physically to the Vikings, it's Detroit. That'll be fun. I did see, I didn't know if I told you this uh, last week. Um, you know, Detroit always hosts the early game on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, you do not want to. That's the game a lot of people travel during that game. Maybe they're driving to grandma's house or not. Do you know who they play this year early on Thanksgiving? Buffalo. Oh, I want to see that game. I'm not missing a single play of that game. I'm not going anywhere. I'm have we're having Thanksgiving at my house, and I'm not leaving the seat except for halftime, because that's going to be a game. 
I'm gonna make me a big ass if I yeah a crown royal peach with some tea, and I'm gonna watch a hard hitting team and a really talented team play. Because <laughs> the Lions, I, I am I am all bought in on. I wanted Dan Campbell to be the coach of the Saints so bad. I know you get the Lions job a year early, but I bought in. I bought in on him. I bought in on that team. I don't like their quarterback situation, but that franchise is going places and they've put really good players, young players in good positions and they're going to be a winner and they play hard. The other team, the game this week, another another game this week, as bad as the Bengals have played these last two weeks, they got to play another one of these hard-nosed teams. They got to play the Jets. Who are playing well right now with Flacco. the Jets are hard nosed. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna come after Burrow. They're that they got a good defense. It, this is a team that's not to be messed I'm telling you, they're not. Hey, to be let me ask you here because this is this that that's that's a it's a not good. I mean, right now at zero two, they're not. They don't really have any good matchups. But if you you know you let's let's play devil's advocate and they go down to the Jets and they start 0-3. At what point does, you know, you have to, you've got all this new talent, you've got the quarterback you want for our new franchise. At what point do you have to say, maybe we don't have the personnel to maximize the talent we have? Because yeah. that's what it feels like in the, with the Bengals. It's, it's not the talent that they have, it's how to get it out of them. And, I'm, you know, you got to question their coaches and the coaching I, staff. I tend to agree with you. Being able to maximize their talent. I tend to agree with you on that. And I'll read this out. This is the next four games for the Bengals. At the Jets, again, that's not a gimme. They're at home against the Dolphins. Better score some points in that game. They're at the Ravens at New Orleans. That is not the next four games, none of those are easy games. Those are and four teams. Very likely, going to get Miami will be coming off. More, more than likely, you're taking Miami after a loss to Buffalo. They're going to want to rebound. So there's that's a not chance. a good time to play the to Miami. There's a chance that the, the the Bengals could come out after six games and be one and five, or two and four. I don't want them. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know I'm ribbing you on this. I don't want them to. I actually yeah. like Burrow. I like the yeah. Bengals, what they did last year. I want them to succeed this year, but they are not. They, it's like they've, they're they they're tangled up. They tripped over their own feet starting out this season, and I don't know if they can ride it early on. I don't know if they can either, and, and I'll tell you, if after those six games, if after that Saints game, week six, they're sitting at two wins or less, you have to fire Zach Taylor. You have to absolutely fire him. And I would agree. There's is, no after the success they had a year last year, despite their deficiencies, you should be having success this year, especially in your first two weeks. And you have not. Yeah. You've gotten. You've regressed. Yeah. The issue is, and this is the to me the biggest issue of the Bengals, is that as an organization, they don't play to win. What I mean by that is this has been a notoriously mismanaged franchise that does not play by the same rules when it comes to expectations that everybody else does. 
and they are gifted one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. And the fact and, and not right that he now. also got one of the best young wide receivers in the league. I mean, Burrow and yeah, Chase alone should be giving you a 500 record. They have looked horrible in the first two games. And it's if they come out and they don't, they got to win this one. They really got to win three of the next four. I'm not sure they will. They need to. They need to. But if they don't, they need to. If they don't, they're going to be in trouble. And I'm not sure that this organization will make the decision to move on from a coach. It's it's a shame because here's the, here's the reality. And I said this last year, uh, you and I, when we talked about you know sacks. I am more concerned this year than last year on Burrow making it through this season. I am too now. That's where we are right now. They are literally just putting up Burrow like a like a pinata and see who breaks him. That's what's happening right now. And he's not going to make it to week six. He's not going to make it to the playoffs. Make it to week six. I have concerns of him making it to week six because at this pace, we're looking at, what, 30 to 40 sacks by week six. Yeah, he's going to sack thirteen times. He's not going to make it. Yeah. If if he is sacked six times a game in the next four weeks, Jets, Dolphins, Ravens, Saints, they go zero and four, and they're zero and six. Yeah. And look. And you got to question everything at that point. Everything. Everything and even the quarterback has got to look at it and go, "Do I want to be here?" I that that's the kind of things like I, at at some point I got to be Burrow and say, "If I step out on this field in my current condition and this current circumstances, I may not walk off of it." Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to stand up like that, and, and the reason being is he's from Ohio, he's an Ohio kid. It's going to be hard for him to walk away from the Bengals. But man, if he thinks about his career, it may it may very well have to be. But if they go in, if they play this poorly, now in a month we might be seeing different things. If they play well, but if it continues like this and they finish sub five hundred, and he gets the shit kicked out of him all season, man, he's got to go to the management and go, nope, it's a holdout time. You're trading me. If he's if he's still healthy at the end of that, I, I hate to say it, and I don't, I don't even know if there's precedent for it, but he's just got to stop. He has to go, and he it's it's easy I mean, enough for me, and, and it, it's it's almost necessary <clears throat> because you can't blame him for this to go out and basically say, to, you know, I won't play another down under these circumstances, and go to the media and it's like, I'm sorry, but if I'm at 40 sacks, I don't make it to the end of the season. I can't play for this team. It breaks my heart. I, this is my home. I want to do it. We've had success. We know it can be done. But somehow the Bengals organization is going to run me into the ground and in my career before it starts. Yeah. I mean, and I won't play this way. Yeah. And it sucks, but it's almost like it has to happen. And as a fan, I don't see how you blame him. I don't see how you hold it against them. Yeah. This is where you. This is where Burrow has every reason in the world to put 
basically, you know, feet to the fire on the, on the Bengals organization, the ownership and the GM, and say, you don't know what you're doing, and I won't play for you anymore. Yeah, I mean, change, change this, or change, or get me out of here. I will not play another down because yeah. that's a reality. That's where he's at right now. He's going to get hurt. He's going if, to get hurt bad. If this continues, that entire franchise has to make a seismic change. And, and I think it starts with ownership. I think they have the worst ownership in, in sports. I mean, they are yeah, yes. off. That, that, the Brown family should be ashamed of themselves, how bad they run that franchise. Billionaires don't care about anybody else. Well, it, it, it's not even that. I mean, they're not billionaires. They're the poorest of all the owners. I don't know if you know the story. The raising sure. the Bengals, so the original Bengals owner was Paul Brown, who was the original coach of the, of the Cleveland Browns. Well, Cleveland Browns are called the Browns, Paul Brown. When he was, he bought the franchise in Cincinnati, made them the Bengals, and they moved on. Now, most and you know this, most ownerships are extremely, especially now and in the NFL, are extremely wealthy people and conglomerate, and they, and they get other wealthy people with them, and they have an ownership group, but you have one person who has to own 40% or more of the team, and it's usually the one person who's a multi-billionaire. You know, it's what, the, it's what you have. There are very few teams where the ownership, the primary owner, in this case, the entire owner, the Bengals, is owned by someone who is not wealthy outside of football. And, and what, for instance, the Chiefs locally here in Kansas City are owned by the Hunt family. The Hunt family is extremely wealthy. The Chiefs are not why they're wealthy. They're wealthy because yeah. of everything else Lamar Hunt and his son have now done over the years, over generations of wealth building. Uh -huh. But the majority of the Browns family, the Brown family who owns the Bengals, of their wealth is tied to the value of the Bengals. And the current owner, Mike Brown, if you saw him at the Super Bowl, he's like in his late 70s. He's he looks like he was wearing a suit he bought it at, at men's warehouse on the, off the rack. It, it was awful looking. He looks awful. He doesn't run this team like other franchises where it's hey, let's try to win and we'll make money. It's let's try to make money and maybe we'll win. Yeah, it's it's his nest egg. That's that's where yeah. all of his money comes comes from. What it's gonna Great. take is for but the old you man. You are running your business like shit. Yeah, it's going to take the old man to sell the team, or frankly, in a mean way, to die. And then you have that situation. So, I I, I think it's gonna get interesting. I, I we'll see what happens. They can write the ship. The next four weeks. Now, after the four weeks, they can get in there and they can win three out of four. The Bengals have some smooth sailing. They have the Falcons, Browns, Panthers, yeah. Steelers, Titans for five weeks. I'll, I'll eat crow if they if they succeed. But right now, what I've seen, they have no sign I, of this changing. It's getting I worse. Tend to agree, I tend to agree with you because I don't think that the coaching – I don't think that Zach Taylor really knows what he's doing. 
Burrow has no trust in his offensive line. Why should he? He has absolutely no reason to. He's no. leading in, in sacks, and he's on pace to break records, just not the ones you want. No. I mean, I just, I, I, it's a pretty horrible situation right now. I, I just hope that Joe Burrow doesn't turn into what Matt Stafford turned into in, in Detroit. That's, that's a where it's real possible. He has to be conscious of his career. It's it, he, he's a he's a hometown kid, but you got to be conscious that this is your professional career. This is the NFL. You are not. It is very unlikely he's going to spend his entire career in Cincinnati or in Ohio. Yeah, he's going to leave. If yeah. they, especially if they can't protect him or they can't give him a chance, there are teams who would gladly pay him big money today, and take him off his rookie contract, and pay him. Mahomes kind of money today yeah. to start. But he can't negotiate a new contract till next season. So but no, but but to your point, there's also next season, this offseason, there's going to be positions open at quarterback. Oh, absolutely. I've already seen it. I mean absolutely. Tampa's it, gonna need a quarterback because the old man's washed. The Saints are probably not gonna stick with Jameis Winston. Uh Seattle needs a quarterback. San Francisco might need a quarterback. There's going to be movement. Detroit needs a quarterback. Detroit would be oh I oh if you had Burrow you put Burrow with Dan Campbell Detroit with that coach and that team with Aiden Hutchinson oh I I might like be like the Saints become my number two team if I got Dan Campbell and Joe Burrow on the same team that that what if we ever talked about the Lions this positively. In our lifetime, it's that guy, it's like that they're dude. doing everything they should be doing. It's that dude. I'm telling you, if you, you know, can't that, get this, with that this dude, this is where. Just, oh, God, yeah. yeah. If you can't get with that, that dude, really there's something good. wrong with you. Not something wrong with him. Plain and you simple. know, you know. Oh God, if 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 Burrow went to Detroit on the cusp of Rogers retiring, how much does it change that division? And Minnesota would be everything. sitting there with, with um, you know, with Kirk Cousins stealing money. I mean, it's, yeah. It's going to be Your best competition is in, is, in, is, in, is you have all the right talent except the right quarterback in Minnesota. And you have the right quarterback with no talent in Chicago. Yeah. It, it's just. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves in a couple of years, it, yeah. all of a sudden Detroit with Burrow sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, could you see a situation also, think of this, this would break my heart a little bit. Dak Prescott's only got two more years in his contract. Burrow's got two years. Oh, no, he, no, 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 no. He's not allowed to go to, he can't go to Dallas. He's not allowed I hope to. not. That would, that would break my heart. That would absolutely break my heart. But Burrow should be, Burrow should be sitting at, at, at you know, in, in the, in the quarterback room, looking how to beat and stomp on the Cowboys every week. I, you know, they should be, but, what he should be doing, he should go to Detroit and they should try to get Micah Parsons. So you get Parsons and Hutchison on the same team just, and make a Super Bowl run. Now we're just playing fantasy. What did LA do? What did LA do? Yeah. What did LA do? You got Darnold on one side and Von Miller on the other. Now Von Miller's and Bills and look at what they're doing. But you had the two of them together. Why can't you do that with Parsons and Hutchison? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are letting Micah Parsons ever get out of the building. Oh no, no, no! He <laughs> Micah Parsons has a guaranteed job as long as he can walk. As long as, long as he's able to walk, he's a golden boy. He's the he's the best thing that's happened to Dallas in years. 
Because uh, he woke them up. In fairness, he woke up a defense that was asleep for years. Yeah. They're going to be interesting in a couple seasons. All right, I'm going to let you go. We're going to get out of here on that. So uh, here's where I'm going to come in. We're going to end it on this. We want to say thank you. First off, thank you to you, Uncle Rico, for joining us today. Appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Always yeah. a pleasure. Well, uh, and again, Uncle Rico's, uh, you know, sponsored by Stitch Fix. Don't forget, follow the link in the show notes. You're going to save $25 in your Stitch Fix. Hey, Stitch Fix shirt, what I'm wearing right now. Give me my Stitch Fix box. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Uh, we want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for everything they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. And we appreciate everyone who's been listening. Continue to do it. We appreciate it. We love it. Uh, if you do get a chance, if you're listening to the podcast, give us a five-star review. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get this podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. So until Friday, I'll be back with Ellen. We'll be doing the uh, bipod. Have a great week. Give me time tokens and not a fun one. Take care.